Hello and welcome to Generation K, a New York Mets podcast. Brett Berry here, back-to-back weeks, and yet the real story is the Mets have won back-to-back Sunday day games, uh, but not really. This week it's all about the sound bites and blogs as the Mets brass starts to look towards a retool after another up-and-down week. And speaking of tools, can you believe what we heard from the Dribble Cabrera this week? Uh, we'll get into that in a slew of other items, but first let me bring in my cast. Chris Rose remaining in the two-hole this week as he continues to dig in on the work front. Seating hosting duties once again. Chris, we've been flirting with the idea of turning the show into Generation Barba K and just talking about brisket for an hour. So I'll ask you this. What is your favorite thing to throw on the smoker during the summer months? Wait, I'm confused. Did we not decide to turn this into a barbecue podcast? We're flirting with the idea. We are flirting with the idea. We might if it gets any worse this year. Mm, all right. Uh, favorite meat on the smoker? Beef short ribs. Sometimes you'll see they're kind of like brontosaurus ribs. They're these big, giant ribs. Uh, I know Doug had some this week, and they're they're super easy. You know, if you're cooking a brisket, you're starting the night before, you're starting at midnight, you're staying up all night, keeping the smoker going. Uh, you know, it's a 12, 16-hour cook. Beef short ribs, you're doing them in a day. Uh, it's about six hours. They're just delicious. It's like brisket on a stick. Got my mouth watering over here. Doug, uh, who is ready to throw everyone not named Michael Conforto and Jerry Blevins onto a fire is back as well. Uh, you're a big fan of barbecue also. Anything to add to this discussion of beef ribs? Yeah, yesterday I ventured into Brooklyn to hometown barbecue on Chris's recommendation and had some of the best smoked meat I've had outside of Austin. Um, we did have a brontosaurus rib. Uh, the minimum weight of a rib was 1.5 pounds. So these were gigantic and uh, it was, it was actually <laughs> life changing. I mean, it's setting me back for days on meals just because we ate so much friggin' food. Um, I was texting Chris pictures and he was not answering me. I don't know if he was jealous or if the Mets set him into depression or he's been hammered for two weeks. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe he pulled a will when <laughs> drinking all day. Yeah, so I went to bed early last night because I was way too filled up on brisket. Woke up ready to go this morning, well rested. Some may call a food coma. Well, on this week's show, we will discuss, other than brisket, a painful series loss in L.A., uh, Sandy's remarks about looking to sell at the deadline, and his Drupal Cabrera's trade request. And we'll also play a little game from the mind of the well-rested Doug Salvamini. Just to be clear, I didn't prepare for anything except barbecue. So. Um, let's first cover our weekly record three and four as we're swept away in L.A., uh, but would make a pit stop along Highway 5 and pick up some brooms of our own and sweep the scuffling giants who look like a you know, dumpster fire, just hot garbage. They're on pace to lose 100 games. That brings our season record to 34-41. and 41. We aren't in much of a place to talk about crappy teams. Glass houses I mean, and all. That's true. Also, the hot garbage thing hits a little too close to home because, you know, around New York City and in Hoboken, where I am, in these hot summer days... The water just sits and pools on the sidewalk, and then cars go by and splash it at you, and it you could sometimes smell like hot garbage. So I'm having nom flashbacks. Is that why New Jersey gets the bad rap of smelling like shit? I wonder. I don't know. Well, what's the most amazing thing you saw this week, Doug? Uh, besides Brontosaurus ribs, uh, <laughs> Jacob deGrom, who had a dinosaur-like performance. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, DeGrom, over his last three starts, he's got at least eight innings in each, uh, 0.72 ERA, and uh, this week he got the win against San Fran, only giving up four hits in one run. He struck out seven, and he had another hit at the plate also, raising his average to 294. Uh, before you know it, Terry's going to have a real conundrum on his hands as to who's he's going to pinch hit in a tough spot, either Mats or DeGrom. Listen, you know he's going to play matchups. He's going to play matchups. doesn't matter. <laughs> it's going to be lefty or righty, Mats or DeGrom. Chris, what's the most amazing thing you saw uh, this week? Most amazing thing I saw this week, uh, I don't know if you guys saw, 
Texas Monthly comes out with its top 50 barbecue. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> top 50 barbecue list once every four years. Uh, the past couple years when you guys have come down, we've avoided kind of the big name barbecue places, and we've gone to a little trailer named Heim Barbecue outside of a bar here in Fort Worth. They uh, they they opened up a brick and mortar this year, and for the in their first attempt, they jump right into the Texas Monthly Top 50, which is a pretty big honor for them. So shout out to Heim Barbecue, very excited about that. It's always good when you have a prospect that you identify early on. You kind of you feel like it's yours, and that's that. Heim came out of nowhere, jumping right up there, getting some getting some publicity, getting some street cred. It's basically an all star at this point. For me, Curtis Granderson, uh, it was the most amazing thing I saw. Continues to rake over the last 28 games, six homers, 12 RBIs, batting 345 with a 1.128 OPS. And over his last eight games, batting over 400 with a 1.438 OPS. Was on base five times today, uh, which is Sunday, including a shot into McCovey Cove. Granderson has been filling in quite well for the young outfielder, Conforto, who's still slumping. He actually got hit on the wrist today. I don't know if you guys watched the game. X-rays came back negative. Um, so Grandy will continue to see playing time in center field and hit leadoff, something he did admirably last season when asked to. What was the worst thing you saw this week, Chris? I don't know if you guys remember the first time you came down, I took you to a barbecue place in Dallas called Pecan Lodge. They were in the farmer's market at that point. Um, the last go-round of the Texas Monthly Top 50, uh, Pecan Lodge was actually top three in the state, which is a huge honor. I mean, that's elite um, since then, they've moved into a really, really cool location, Deep Allen, but they've struggled with the quality, with the quality control there. They added another smoker, and I've kind of had some hit or miss episodes there. The line's shorter, which is great, but uh, you know they fell. They st- they're still in the top fifty, but they fell out of the top three, which is a little bit of a hit for Dallas barbecue. So, Con Lodge, worst thing I saw. Doug, this week. what's the worst thing you saw? It's Drupal Cabrera demanding a trade. Dude, nobody cares about you. Nobody wants you. Your defense is terrible. Your bat is average. Your attitude sucks. Your ego is way too big for your own good. Take your stupid Marshall Mathers hair and get the hell off my team. Well, I mean, what the other thing about that is it just shows kind of a, a complete lack of, uh, of self-awareness, right? If he could change positions and potentially build some trade value, you know, if he was like Juan Uribe where he could play him a couple different places along the infield— you know, he could have some trade value, but nobody wants him to play shortstop. It's, you know, if he says, I only want to play shortstop, trade me to someone who will let me play shortstop. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so it, it's that it's really frustrating for that perspective. And also, you know, a guy who I've heard a number of people call a leader, you know, being unwilling to move to another position. You know, we can talk about this more later, but uh, it's, it's just brutal. I, I can't believe you guys got me to come off of barbecue. We will get into his dribble Cabrera a little bit later. For me, the worst thing I saw was, uh, this jackass, Yasiel Puig, once again, admiring a, a home run and taking his sweet-ass time rounding the bases with the Dodgers already up big. Flores said something to him as he got past first, and then he was lectured by a veteran countryman, Cespedes, in between innings later. You know, not hard to believe his actions uh, because he's always been that way, but uh, you know, you at least had hoped that uh, you know, he would have grown up a little bit. If you don't want him to admire it, don't let well, him I understand it. that, but I'm just saying, you know, that I think it was more of the Mets being just frustrated that they were playing so poorly, and he's just kind of rubbing salt in the wound. Uh, we'll quickly go over the two series we had this week. Obviously, we were swept away in La La Land. Uh, the Dodgers set a franchise record hitting 15 homers in the series. Uh, I'm very jealous of the Dodgers and their young star, Cody Bellinger. He is something else. Uh, the ball absolutely explodes off his bat when he makes contact. Uh, and the Dodgers, much like the Nats, are really a class above talent-wise, especially with their pitching staff led by the best pitcher in baseball, uh, which is Clayton Kershaw, although the Mets would rough him up on uh, on Monday. Reyes hit two homers off of him. Gavin Sashini belts his first career homer off the southpaw, but again, the Dodgers' offense was just too much to handle. 
Another injury and some miscommunication as Wheeler gets roughed up on Tuesday and later lands on the disabled list with bicep tendonitis. Zach noted after his start that he felt fine physically, but then Alderson told reporters that Wheeler had been dealing with a moderate tendonitis over the last few days uh, and is expected to miss just one start. Uh, in his last two starts, Zach Wheeler has an ERA of 36.82. Uh, so much for that rest of season ERA bet, huh, Chris? Yeah, you know, the ERA got a little ugly, but you know, I still feel good about the rest of the season wins bet, him versus Harvey. And realistically, you know, it's good to understand what was wrong. He'd been so good, and all of a sudden he hits this ro- this pothole. Um, and it's you, you never want to see a player get injured, but it's not a, not a particularly serious injury. And it's good to know that, or at least to hope that the blip on the radar was caused by the injury and not just, you know, the league kind of getting the notes on him. And look, you got to remember, it's his first season back after a long time being injured. Uh, he's going to take time to develop, right? It's like a brisket. You can't rush it. It just, it develops on its own Yeah, time. I think they need to shut him down as long as he needs. I mean, there's no reason that he should be pitching until he's completely over this issue. Well, especially because he's not going to make it to the end of the season anyway, right? Because right. of the innings limit. So if he's going to miss time now or miss time then, let him miss time now. By the way, how many people were holding their breath today when Conforto was hit? But not only that, but when they zoomed in on the broadcast and Ramirez is squeezing the affected area. I mean, there was, there's people going crazy on Twitter about that. I've a little bit lost my sense of humor about the whole thing. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe Ramirez isn't a great trainer, but he's not realistically causing most of these injuries, right? If you, if you think it's training before the season, if you think it's bad injury decisions by the front office, you know, he's not the one who's telling Thor that he doesn't have to take an MRI or that he's able to pitch on regular rest, right? right. So, I mean, like the constant harping on Ramirez, like it's okay as a joke, but I, you know, I kind of, it kind of knows me when people think that that's really the, the yeah. real well, issue here. I mean, I was laying it to some people on Twitter today and got into it with Matt Ehalt of NewJersey.com who's like constantly clowning on this team, even when they're playing well. The rhetoric of, you know, the just, oh, woe is me, Mets this year is getting kind of, getting kind of uh, sour for me anyway. Um, but we move right along to the Giants series and we end up sweeping this one. Uh, Doug pointed out that DeGrom was incredible. Uh, yet again, third straight start, pitching into the eighth, only two earned runs over a stretch of 25 innings pitched. The Mets bring the bats and the brooms, pound out 44 hits after hitting 202 collectively in Tinseltown, yet come into the Bay Area and hit 376 as a team. Uh, but the real story here of the series and the weekend um, and the show, not brisket, Chris, is as Drupal Cabrera's trade request. Upon being activated from the DL, Cabrera was told he'd be moving to second base. So prior to Friday's game in San Francisco, Terry was being interviewed and he'd indicated that there was a, a conversation that was between Cabby and uh, and the skipper, and it seemed as though the Cabrera made these comments after Terry told them, "Hey, look, you're you're moving to second base. Gives us the best chance to win. Gives us the best chance for this team to succeed." Uh, and I think Terry did a good job of maneuvering around questions, keeping that conversation private uh, between the two of them. Um, but uh, yet, this is another off-field distraction for the Mets, and I think majority of people uh, following this team are upset with Cabrera's comments. And yet, there were some people defending it. It's re- just really strange, um, you know. But Chris, you weren't one of these people defending Cabrera, were you? I, I don't know how I can relate this to smoked meats, but um, look, <laughs> I think I said most of my piece at, at the outset of the show. Uh, he, you wanted to be a team player and move positions, you know. And I can understand not wanting to move to third, you know. Frankly, you know, I think we all kind of forget. Uh, that there's like real danger involved, right? At third base, you're having balls come at you at 100 miles an hour. If it's not something you're used to, you're not used to being that close to the hitter. Uh, you know that, yeah. that that's a dangerous spot, and, and I could see someone being uncomfortable moving to third. You know, feeling like maybe you know at this age his reflexes aren't good enough to play there. 
And so I, I will, you know, I was not going to kill him over that. I would have liked to see him move to third, but that's a tough change. And you saw, for example, Reyes did, never wanted to move in for a long time this season. He'd only play back at third base, um, so you can see kind of the discomfort of playing there. But you know, refusing a move to second just—it seems ridiculous to me. It's just prideful. It's just ego. And again, you know, like I said at the outset, if he thinks that there's anybody else uh, who who wants him to play shortstop for their team, let him tell Sandy who it is. There's nobody who wants that glove at shortstop. He can't feel the position. And so he could actually build value for himself, both on the trade market and more importantly for him uh, as a free agent this offseason, uh, if he would be willing to move to second or third. But, sure. you know, I, I just feel like this move is completely ridiculous. It also seems that this is the first time that he's heard of this, like, this should have been a contingency plan the entire season. It's kind of alarming that he comes off the DL and they tell him that he's going to be moving and he acts like he's never heard this as a possibility floated before. So it makes you wonder if the, the uh, organization had another terrible miscommunication and never really relayed this information to him or if he's just, you know, that's stupid and thinks that he's too good to be moved and, and thought that this wasn't going to happen to him. Yeah, it goes back. It's kind of similar to Jay Bruce not taking any balls at first base in spring training, right? Uh, it, it seems like Terry Collins was only prepared for what do I do if things are going perfect, right? He hadn't prepared any contingencies. Uh, you know, if Cabrera, if his glove continues to falter, where could I move him? Can he play third? Can he play second? You know, if David Wright doesn't come back, do we have another option at third? Kind of lucked out there with Flores, but uh, no, I, I agree. It, it feels like lack of communication and lack of foresight. No, I, I agree with you guys. But, I mean, getting back to the issue here with Cabrera, I mean, moving to second base, regardless of the of the off-the-field distraction, he actually made some nice plays on the field Saturday, and including a diving stop. He ranged to his glove hand and threw out the runner, and he's actually hitting the ball since shifting over to the keystone position. But, you know, from a defensive standpoint, it makes sense for the Mets to do this. You know, Walker's out. Uh, it keeps Flores bat in the lineup, and then he plays third against right-handed pitchers. And this also keeps Reyes in the lineup uh, at his natural position. Yeah, I mean, and, and just to be clear, Reyes has been a huge upgrade at short over Oh, absolutely. Cabrera, right? He's still, he's, he's still probably slightly below average there, but you're going from, you know, it's the difference between slightly below average and just god-awful, you know, not even replacement-level shortstop play from Cabrera. So I think I think absolutely uh, having Reyes there is is, bit, is a big help to the pitching staff. Yeah, and you know Reyes is, he has admitted uh, he feels more comfortable in all aspects when he gets you know when he gets starts at short. Uh, so hopefully that gets his bat going. And um, you know with that, I mean Doug, even with the comments, uh, Terry was kind of forced to play his dribble. Now I mean, should he have been benched and had uh, T.J. Rivera out there playing second base? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm perfectly fine using Flores and Rivera. Uh, I don't think that. Cabrera needs to sit until he's traded or anything like that. But um, I, I don't like the fact that he requests a trade and then plays later that night and then throughout the rest of the weekend at that. And um, I do like the fact that they were didn't give in and they said, well, you're playing second base. But I would have, I mean, after that kind of uh, unprofessional display, I would have sat him. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I completely agree. Especially, you know, TJ Rivera is a young guy who you want to see more of. Right, we want to understand what we have there going into the offseason. Do we need to sign another player there? Uh, is Neil Walker an option, or you know, can we stick with T.J. Rivera? You had so, an issue with him playing shortstop today. Yeah, and on top of that, I I certainly wouldn't have played him back at short today. It, it's debatable whether he's even better at short than Wilmer Flores. I mean, Wilmer Flores is is not great at short, but neither is Cabrera at this point. And so, you know, if you felt like Reyes absolutely needed a day off today, 
I, I mean, maybe that's just me being hard headed, but I, you know, I would not have given Cabrera a game back at shortstop today. That, that's fair. Un- unfortunately, though, I don't think they're going to throw Flores out there just for one game. You know, he hasn't played short all year, and they don't have anyone else. So if you're going to give Reyes a day off, you know, a planned day off, you throw him at shortstop, and you know, he actually there wasn't an error, but there was a play late in the game with him and Granderson. The ball kind of fell between him. It just showed his his lack of range once again. Uh, to me, I think Sandy and Terry handled this quite well with Cabrera. Um, you know, his comment came as kind of a shocker to them and even some of the players, but, you know, they didn't overreact. They didn't give any, you know, they didn't give the media anything to run with. And the team has won its last three games. And, you know, really it hasn't been that big of a distraction. And like you said, Chris, if Cabrera wants to be traded, he should be willing to play another position to show his versatility and his team first mentality, you know, for a young team like a a Houston or Arizona, Colorado, you know, these teams are going to need backup infielders. Cabrera needs to shut the fuck up and just do his job. And and then maybe, you know, your wish will come true. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, Acting like, you know, Alderson and Collins are doing a great job. I mean, this is something that should have been communicated with him. It should have been open lines of communication for months now, like Doug said. You know, and, and it shouldn't be a surprise when you have a player who has a trade a, who has a trade request. You know, if they had been talking about him moving to third, moving to second since spring training, they would have known, hey, he's unwilling that, you know, th- this trade request might not have been a surprise. So it's fine. I don't think that they mishandled anything this week. But again, it goes to foresight. It, it, I'm not going to give them a lot of praise for how this how this infield's been handled. Or maybe not even in spring training, but he's been on the DL before. This isn't his first DL stint. So maybe you see him play the first couple games of the season. You realize his range is gone. Man, this guy really aged in the offseason. That's your chance to, to start bringing that point up or to start having him play a different position in rehab games. Um, so yeah, even if, even if they didn't see this coming, or this precipitous fall coming in the off season and in spring training, they should have seen it earlier in this year and, and had had this plan in place or at least talked to him about it while he was on the DL taking rehab games previously. Yeah, I mean, and, and two things about that. One is, you know, his range was bad last year, right? So it's not like a precipitous fall that just happened this year. But then on top of that, even looking for the past month or two, everyone has known that Ahmed Rosario is going to be ready any day. So how is it not for the past month or two they haven't been having these conversations about, hey, what can we do to continue to utilize you to continue to get value from you yeah. when Rosario comes up? You know, in the midst of all this Cabrera crap going on, Alderson actually spoke before Friday night's game and commented on the state of the team and their plans to look to move veteran players. Um, you know, this is just coming from Sandy here. I think we have to be realistic about what we are. Uh, that's not to say that we're throwing in the towel by any means, uh, but, you know, we, we haven't played very well in the last 10 days you know, noting that they need to play better. The team needs to play better. In the meantime, we have to be realistic about where we are in the division race, realistic about where we are in the wild card. Again, not admitting defeat and canceling the season just yet, but certainly open to the idea of moving some players. Guys, what are your what are your thoughts on this now inevitable announcement um, at this point in the season? So the thing that I hate most about this season is that they basically went from it's early, everything is fine, to we're going to trade away pieces. And I've hated Sandy's attitude for a while now. They've just never showed any urgency. They haven't called anybody up. They haven't made any trades. Um, they've mostly just run out the same guys in the same nonsensical batting order, um, used injuries as an excuse, and now they're going to wave the white flag. And I'm not saying that trading guys away is a bad idea. I think it actually makes sense, and we should see what we can get. But I think you needed to have a quicker trigger with uh, demoting Cabrera, moving Reyes to the bench, bringing up Rosario. I mean, any anything really to shake this team up. I think they've waited too long, and, you know, like the old saying goes, it, it got late early. Yeah, you know, I'm the resident optimist here, but it's, it's really difficult to avoid the conclusion that the Mets season is effectively over before the All-Star break. 
They didn't do a lot to th- shake things up when they had the chance to. You know, but that's it. I don't know how much there was to do. Sure, they could have brought up Rosario earlier. But beyond that, I mean, it's not like there are, in all likelihood, a bunch of All-Stars out there to be acquired by the Mets. So, you know, and the other thing you have to understand about Alderson is, you know, what we're getting is his public face. You know, his, his you know, everything's fine. It may, be, it may have been his his public stance, but, you know, perhaps behind closed doors it was very different. Um, but just didn't really have the options. I don't know what there was for him to do necessarily. You know, but the other thing is, you know, I think Brett's point was that, you know, they're willing to take offers, and maybe the season's not over. But, you know, look, if you're publicly saying you're taking offers for your vets, uh, you know, you're acknowledging the season's over. you got to read between the lines on that one. It's obvious that the, the front office is looking at the upcoming schedule and thinking, hey, you know, if we can't rattle up some wins against some bad clubs and maybe, you know, uh, play a little better ball against Washington and St. Louis before the break, we need to start thinking about next year and beyond. And with that said, if guys like Bruce, Duda, Granderson, Cabrera, if they're all hitting and, you know, and Reed, Salas, Blevins, and if they continue to play well and perform out of the pen, you know, they're building their trade value great, but they're also going to continue to win games more than not. So, I mean, with 88 to still to play and a fairly pedestrian schedule over the next month leading up to the deadline, I think Mets front office really Brett, let me stop you. I love you like a brother. But the Mets, the season's over. It's over. Let it die. I'm not going to let it die. I'm not going to do that. I'm just trying to say, if the, if the team is playing well, they're building their trade value. Yeah, they're building yeah, their trade value. Yeah, but if they're playing well, they're going to win games. So the Mets aren't going to sell off pieces if they really think that they're going to continue to to hold ground and, and fight for that wild card. I'm just, there's 88 fucking baseball games left. Why are, we, why are we canceling the season? 88 games. The Mets were out in late August in 1973. And Tug McGraw said, you got to believe, and they went to the fucking World Series that year. So why why do I have to cancel the season when you two want to <laughs> go and move on from it? I'll continue to talk about Mets baseball. I'm fine with it. But I'm just saying that the Mets, you know, they're, the Mets were showing their hand a little too early here. And I can't help but think it's going to be tough for Alderson to unload. But, you know, they got to get fair value for these guys. And they're not going to if they don't if they don't play well. My gripe is that, and I mentioned this on Twitter and, and got a got a funny response that the Mets went and they jetted this thing up. They <laughs> they go out and tell everybody what they're going to do before they yeah, do it. Exactly. Why on earth are you going to go out and say, you know what? I think it's time to sell some pieces. Just keep your freaking mouth shut and make a good deal and get some pieces back. You don't have to go to the media and tell people that you're going to trade everybody away and then you're going to end up getting fifty cents. On I disagree. The I can't stand it when everybody tells their intentions. Yeah, that was my that's my concern, Doug. I, I completely disagree. Let me give you let me give you a different perspective. I, I hear your opinion, but let me let me give you a different perspective on it. He absolutely wants everyone to know that there is an auction going on. He wants every team that comes to try and trade for, for somebody to not think that they're getting in early, to not think they're getting a discount because nobody else is going for it yet. He wants to know everybody's on the auction block. I have multiple o- offers for players. Um, he wants everybody to know we are open for business. Okay, uh, so I, I disagree, and and I and just to to drive this point home, you know I've killed Sandy Alderson for how he's handled injuries. You guys know I'm more than willing to kill the Mets front office, but if there's one thing Alderson has been consistently good at through his Mets tenure, it's selling off pieces, right? Yeah, you look absolutely. at the return he got for Carlos Beltran. You look at the return he got for Ari Dickey. There's been a number of other trades like that, uh, and so on this one issue, I am absolutely willing to defer to him and say. He, I, he knows what it's going to take to get that best value for those guys. Um, and I think he just wants to put the whole league on notice. If you're coming here for a trade, I'm willing to talk to anyone. I want all offers in because I'm going to take the best one. That's that's absolutely a fair statement to make, Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this and we'll move on. You know, if you're going to offer up these players, they need to play well in order to get the fair value. And I think that's what Doug was saying too. So 
I just think that if they are playing well, they're going to win ball games. And even Sandy has said they're not throwing in the towel yet. So I think there's a, there's going to be a whole nother whole nother song and dance in the next ten to fifteen days. If they're really playing poorly, then yes, start to sell off every piece you can. But if they're in the next fifteen games, make some sort of run. I don't see them selling until the absolute last moment, which is the you know the end of July into August. Um, but you know we'll switch gears now. We'll have a little fun with this episode. We're going to run a special segment this week in light of the news off the field, in which we just covered. Credit to Doug who was firing on all cylinders this morning. Calling this one F Mary K. So we'll go over through a couple of groups. The first grouping of players is Jose Reyes, is Dribble Cabrera. And Lucas Duda, you have to trade one, re-sign one, or kill one. And Doug, let's start with you since this was your baby. I am going to re-sign Lucas Duda, though I am perfectly okay with... Actually, I wouldn't say I'm perfectly okay with trading him and then trying to re-sign him because I feel like if he does go to a competent organization, he might see that it's way better elsewhere and then decide not to come back. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I want to re-sign Duda. I think that he's very underrated. Um, I feel like he's kind of in the same situation as Murphy is that they're the little things that people don't like kind of overshadowed um, the big picture. And um, obviously we know he can't throw to home plate uh, (laughs) well-documented, but uh, he hit 30 homers in 2014. He hit 27 in 2015. Uh, Last year was a wash. He only played 40 games, but he's on pace to hit around 30 this year. His defense is underrated. I'm not convinced that Dom Smith is going to hit the ground running next year and give us a chance to win a championship. And ideally in the next two years with this pitching staff, I want Duda there at first hitting homers and, you know, hitting around 260, 275 and uh, giving us a shot to contend. So I'm re-signing Duda. Uh, The other two can die in a fire, whatever. (laughs) Chris? Yeah, no, I think I'm going along the same lines, right? I'm absolutely willing to trade Duda. And if he finds somewhere else where he's happy and they make him a nice offer, then, you know, by all means, uh, I'm happy to let him go and we'll, we'll go with Dom Smith. Uh, but that said, you know, I'm, I, I am open to resigning. If we can't get the value in a trade um, and if he's sitting around at the end of the free agent period, uh, hasn't quite gotten the offer that he was hoping for, if we can get him for bargain basement prices, I'm not closing the door on Lucas Duda. Uh, certainly an underrated guy. So I'm I'm willing to trade. I'm going to try and trade him. I'm willing to re-sign him. As Dribble Cabrera, you, you've heard me out on this episode already. You can kill him. And Jose Reyes. I, Jose Reyes actually makes me sad because every once in a while you get the glimpse of the 2006 Jose Reyes. Yeah, hit a, hit a which just makes week, it stand up triple. Yeah, you see it every once in a while. You know, he has a stolen base here. He stretches, you know, stretches a, a double into a triple. And uh, it actually, it just makes it harder to watch. So, Jose, I, I won't kill you, but I'm going to send you to the uh, to the big shortstop farm upstate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, obviously I don't hate the guy, but he can hit over 200. So, he has no trade value, and I don't want him back. Well, we'll move on to group two, and this uh, cast of uh, players here is, you know, maybe debate a little bit more. We've got Jay Bruce, Curtis Granderson, and Neil Walker. We have to re-sign, trade, or kill one of these. Let's start with you, Chris. Uh, Curtis, you're dead. You can't play in the field anymore. Your bat doesn't bring enough. I love you. Not quite as much as I love Jose Reyes, but, uh, yeah, no, you're dead. Get out of here. Uh, Neil Walker. I actually, I thought about saying we should re-sign Neil Walker, but here's the thing. There's a, there's kind of a glut of infielders. What I'd like to see happen this off season is go out, get, get a big bat at either second or third play Wilmer Flores in the other spot. And I think that just doesn't leave a spot for Neil Walker. I think at this point in his career, I don't think he wants to come off the bench. I think we're supposed to uh, 
trade, resign, and kill, but I'm, I'm going to try and kill off just about everyone. And Jay Bruce is in the same bucket as Lucas, dude. I want to trade him. I think we can get good value. Um, all season, I've been concerned about him just going off a cliff. So I, I'm going to trade him. That said, yeah, just the same way the Nationals did with Weeders, um, and certainly he was he was coming from Baltimore. But uh, you know, with the thing the Nationals did with Weeders is right at the end of uh, free agency this year, he was still hanging out there, hadn't got the offer he wanted, and they snapped him up. Same thing. If if Jay Bruce or Lucas Dude, if either one of them are hanging around, they don't get the offers they want this offseason. I'm willing to sure. bring them back. Uh, but that said, it has to be at bargain basement prices. Otherwise, I'm ready. Yeah, to Yeah, I mean, on. Bruce is on pace for 40 home runs this year. I think he's going to bring the most value back yeah. out of anyone. So he's been great, I, and I, I was I was absolutely wrong on him that I thought he was going to fall off a cliff. He's really uh, he's been excellent for the Mets. Doug, what about you? That trio of uh, of players there: Bruce, Granderson, Walker. Kill, trade, or resign. I'm not going to kill Curtis Granderson. I'm going to euthanize <laughs> oh, him. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Can't hate the guy. He's a pro's pro. He's a nice guy. You know, he has fun playing the game. He's a leader, but uh, father time has caught up to him, and he really can't be taking away at-bats from Conforto. So, RIP, Curtis. I'm trading Bruce. Obviously, he's he's probably the guy in the team who has the most trade value um, as a rental for a playoff team. He's already got 20 homers. Um, I, I think we can really get a decent piece for him. And uh, I'm open to re-signing Walker. Switch hitter. He hits about 270. He had 270, 280 over the last couple of seasons, and uh, he's pretty decent in the field. Uh, I do, like Chris said, I, I'm worried about the uh, the glut of infielders and backup infielders we seem to have. I think that there's a spot on this team for TJ Rivera, and obviously Wilmer can hit. So I'm curious to see how they piece together this infield next year, but definitely open to resigning Neil. With the hamstring injury, I'm not sure that he's going to be healthy enough to get traded. So I think that really hurts his his trade value. Yeah, that's a great point. He he probably won't have a ton of trade value this season. He only have to sign a qualifying offer too. I mean, it's just a it's a one year qualifying offer if the Mets pick that one up. I mean, he's not really going to have long term value for a team if they want to take a chance on a guy who just came off of two injury plague seasons. You could see him. You could see him being one of the guys who makes it through waivers and gets traded after the uh, after the deadline. That's also a good point. The other, yeah. The other thing though, I'd say is just let's let's look ahead to where we're going to be next year. You know, when we talk about potentially re-signing Walker, if the Mets come back next year and their infield around around from third is Flores, Ahmed Rosario, Neil Walker, and Dom Smith, are you going to feel like the Mets have really gone for it? I, I feel like at that point, everyone's going to be really frustrated. They're going to feel like the Mets uh, didn't do what they had to do in the offseason to improve the team. And that's, I think, the main reason to me why you can't re-sign Neil Walker is you need to move him you out. you got to bring in a big you have piece. To up, you have to upgrade with a big bat at third and move Flores over there. So that that's that's yeah. my piece on Neil Walker. I don't hate him. Uh, in a different situation, I, I would be okay bringing him back. Uh, but I don't think... I don't think that uh, that they can in this situation. And just to go back to something Doug said a minute ago, comparing Lucas Duda to, to Daniel Murphy is aggressive. <laughs> it's very aggressive. I agree. I, I wanted to kind of just blow right <laughs> past that one, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and agree with you there. I meant in obviously I meant in the way that he was represented by the fans, and I mean we hated on Murphy because he couldn't feel that uh, he put on that's, that's fair. stupid moments and all that kind of stuff. And then Duda does little things like He's got those moments. looking like an idiot and throw, try, you know, he can't throw home. So what I, what I really meant was like he gets a lot more shit than he deserves. That's fair. For things that don't really matter. Not compared by the numbers, though. Um, well, since you guys have kind of, you know, you've given me some shit this episode. So I want you guys to just humor me on this bonus group. And I didn't post it in the script because I really want your rapid reactions here. Uh, you got to just please play by the rules once in this episode. Trade, resign, or kill one of these three. Jacob DeGrom, 
Noah Syndergaard and Steven Matz. And Doug, we'll start with you. Um, I'm re-signing Jacob DeGrom because I think that he is the long-term ace. I think that... Uh, Even at five years older than Syndergaard, you're going to sign him? He hasn't pitched much, and he's savvy. He was a shortstop in college. That's fair. Okay. And he's got the better hair. Ooh. Um, I'm going to trade Thor because I think that he can get us the most back out of the three. And uh, I guess that means I have to kill Matt's. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa Matt's. So here's here. I'll tell you where I agree with you. I agree on killing Matt's, not because I don't love him. I mean, he's a Long Island boy, so uh, certainly has my heart from that perspective. And, and, and he's a lefty like, like the boy Wonder, uh, my son. But, uh, you know, I think here's where I disagree with you. I actually think that Grom could bring back more in a trade than Syndergaard, and I think Syndergaard has the higher ceiling. Yeah. So I will roll the dice, trade to Grom. He's a little bit older, uh, but has more of a track record, so I think teams are going to value him. And I'm keeping Syndergaard, and he's going to carry us to the promised land. I think that Syndergaard, you, you got to take into account the fact that he was, he made a really stupid decision to bulk up this offseason, and he's got it in his head that he wants to, you know, lift the world on his shoulders and, uh, you know, strike everybody out with 105-mile-an-hour fastballs. And I'm just worried about uh, the longevity for him, that he's this young and he's already injured and acting like an idiot. I I do worry about it from that perspective. But at the same time, I think other GMs are going to be even more concerned. So I think that would really impair his trade value. Um, And I wouldn't want to take any type of discount on trading Syndergaard because I do think he could, you know, you could see him kind of have a litany of injuries and not never reach his potential. But I also think his potential is so stratospheric that I'm not trading that at any type of discount. Yeah, you also can, you know, you have to take into consideration his age and the fact that he will probably learn and grow from this. And, you know, if he really is truly wants to be one of the best, he has to become a pitcher. And you've seen that over the last couple of years. You know, he hadn't had a walk up until his last start of the season. I mean, he's really become a great pitcher. Um, and I think that he's just his his value and his upside are just through the roof. I agree with can you. Can this Chris. be the last time that we entertain something as stupid as trading Jacob DeGrom or Norris Syndergaard? <laughs> One more point I want to make, though. One more point I want to make, though. The other, the other reason, all things being, I think it's a real toss-up. But the other thing I love about Syndergaard, why I, I would lean towards keeping him, there's nothing wrong with Degrom's mentality. He's an ace. He does a great job for the Mets. But yeah. Syndergaard, you know, you saw it in the playoffs. He's a guy who wants the ball. He's willing to come out of the bullpen. You bring him out of the bullpen, and he's throwing fire in the playoffs as a rookie. Uh, that's the type of mentality I want. I, I, I wouldn't yeah. trade Syndergaard. And that's coming from a guy that is, you know, your son's favorite player is Jacob DeGrom. So the, quite that's high true. regard for, for Thor there. Well, sure enough, here we are at the end of the show. We're wrapping up with wager time. Uh, I'm just going to quickly mention the score of the Harvey Wheeler bet. Uh, still four to three. After, what, <laughs> three or four weeks now? Both pitchers are now on the DL. <laughs> it's going to end four to it's three. It's going to end four it's to three, end possibly. Four to three. Um, but I'm going to throw out a new long-term wager for you guys, and this one will be worth two points. Who gets traded first? Uh, we've got a slew of players that are going to be uh, coming up. Contracts, veteran guys. We just discussed a bunch. Doug, what's uh, what's your take on this? I'm going with Jay Bruce, and I hope they trade. I hope they trade him before he has the potential to fall off a cliff, like Chris said. Chris. Yep, I, I think that's a good choice. If you hadn't said Jay Bruce, I would have taken Jay Bruce, but I need to make up some space, so I'll take somebody different. I'm saying Jerry Blevins. Uh, every every playoff team needs a good lefty out of the bullpen. Everybody needs bullpen help. Uh, and, and I do wonder whether you'd consider trading him right down to uh, D.C. because the Nationals could certainly use the bullpen send him help. Back to the, uh, yeah, send him back to Washington. Well, I'm going to go with Addison Reed. Stay on that same plane. Uh, you know, the Mets won't need a true closer if they're out of it, right? So bullpen arms are at a premium. 
Although, again, I think the Nats will be involved. Uh, but if it nets us one of their prospects, so be it. So good luck to you, Addison. Last week, uh, we'll quickly go over the uh, the wagers. The weekly wins was set at three and a half. As always, we got three errors for the week. This one was a tough one. I had the line at three and a half, and then it jumped to four and a half, and they actually only got four errors. So points to me and Chris. And Doug uh, sits uh, at a stalemate there. And over-under for hits for Michael Conforto. He only had four, took an over in L.A., and only four hits in San Francisco. So points to Chris and I again. Updating the score, Chris climbs back into it with 13. Doug sits at 14, and Will and I are at 18. I'm actually going to go back a few scripts and see how many points I've actually gotten for myself and throw my hat into this ring because I'm about to blow all you suckers out of the water. Uh, This week, the over-under wins total is set again at 3.5. We've got three in Miami and then three against Philadelphia. Chris, what do you say? Who cares? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Over. Doug? Yeah, I'm going over. I think this is the part of the season where the Mets start to tease us and beat up on shitty teams. That's right. Yeah, the Mets do beat up on bad teams, uh, and they've been raking against the Phillies of late. Over-under this week for Granderson. Again, he stayed hot. Uh, Total bases, 20 and a half. June is actually his best hitting month of his career. He has a career average of 283 with a 502 slugging percentage. And he's hit 51 homers in 285 games in the month of June. Um, note that the walks do not count towards total bases. So the, the over-under is set at 20 and a half. Doug, what do you say? I'm going to say over. Uh, he's probably going to play every day because not only is Conforto banged up, but Terry loves playing aging veterans over young, promising stars. Chris? Under a couple of walks today, it's uh, making him look a little bit better. But let's not get suckered back into optimism. I let that happen to me, and that's why I'm so far down the uh, down the wager time standings. So under. Well, I'm taking I'm taking the over. Granderson's going to stay hot and keep building that trade value. Um, and concluding the show this week, uh, we're only doing two wager times this week. Concluding the show, our wait and see. Last week, which happens first? You wanted to see if Terry Collins would be fired or if Rosario would be called up. Uh, neither have happened yet. Uh, Doug, you wanted to see if the Mets showed a pulse, and they actually did in San Francisco. And I wanted yeah. to see if Sashini they swept them. I wanted to see if Shish, uh, I wanted to see if Sashini was being used or if Reynolds would be used as late inning defensive replacements for Flores. Sashini got a couple of starts in LA, but then he got sent back to Vegas for our new second baseman is Dribble Cabrera. This week, Doug, what is your wait and see? The only thing I'm looking forward to this week is playing golf this weekend <laughs> and eating hot dogs. Go America, Chris. What about you? Uh, just returning to the Texas monthly top 50 list for a minute. There is a new, there's a barbecue place in Dallas that I haven't been to. It actually jumped from, uh, just formed since the last set of rankings four years ago, jumped straight into the top three. They actually, they're only open three, they're open two meals a week, lunch on Thursday or Friday, or, uh, and then once a month they're open for lunch on the, on a Saturday. So I haven't been there. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not sure if I'm going to get there this week, but that's, that's the next thing on my list. I'm more interested in that. I really than, opened than a can of worms with starting the show, talking about the generation barbecue. <laughs> oh boy. Well, for me, I'm waiting to see if Rene Rivera gets more playing time over Travis Darno. He had a big game today and really helped Montero get through some tough jams and route to his second career victory. And you know what? I'm considering just completely skipping the reason you got to believe yes, this week. Do but, it. Um, I've been asking to pass all nope. season, and you guys haven't let me. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Look, there's still 88 games left. Still times to make things interesting. And if they don't, I trust Sandy to make the necessary moves to keep this team competitive immediately in 2018. And Chris, any reason you got to believe? You know, what I've actually been working on is is plans for a whole hog pig roast this summer. Um it would involve building it. In- I'll be attending one this Sunday. I'll be sure to send you pictures that you won't pay attention to and sleep through like you did with. Yeah, Doug. no. Tell me, tell me how they did it. 
it would require building an entire new whole hog pit in my yard, at least a temporary one. But I think, you know, I've been going back and forth. It seems like a lot of work. I was kind of nervous, but you know, look, you got to believe in yourself. And so I think, I think I'm going to do it. Uh, I think I'm going to start construction this week when I come back from vacation nice. uh, and we're going to go whole hog in, in August. I think probably a 75 pound hog. Uh, hopefully it won't traumatize the kids. <laughs> Make sure you name it first. There you go. <laughs> We, we end the show, of course, with our Gary, Keith, and Ronism. And this might be the, the Gary, Keith, and Ron, Ronism of the season so far. During the broadcast Tuesday night, the in-game update cuts to the Nationals-Marlins game in which Tanner Roark was being pummeled, and he has been being pummeled. 21 earned runs in his last four starts, and Keith drops one of my favorite baseball-isms of all time. Roark has been getting his tits lit. The internet exploded. Is that a phrase you've heard before? You're, I mean, you've oh, yeah. been we, in the dugout. That's something like, oh, yeah, get your titties lit, get your titties ripped. If a pitcher's getting hit hard, that, that's something that you um, say. I've never yeah, heard It's that always one. a fun that's one. That's a first for me as well. Yeah, if, but when he said that, I just, I lost it. So, again, thanks for listening to Generation K. Check back next week for another episode. You can find and subscribe to the podcast by searching Generation K. That's Q-U-E in iTunes. Please rate and review. Helps others find us. Please share our podcast with your fellow Met fans. You can also find the podcast at soundcloud.generationk and on Stitcher and Overcast. Please reach out to us on Twitter at Gen K Podcast and give us a follow and some feedback. What you like, what you don't like, what's your favorite brisket, what's your favorite barbecue. <laughs> also ribs. tweet at us with questions. We'll address them on our next episode. We'd love to hear from fellow fans. You can also contact us online at generationkpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks to Robin Ventura. Our theme song is LA Women by the Doors. Mr.